It's from Hebrews 10, verses 1 through 25. The law is a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the real things themselves. It can never perfect the ones who are trying to draw near to God through the same sacrifices are offered continually every year. Otherwise, wouldn't they have stopped being offered? If the people carrying out their religious duties had been completely cleansed once, no one would have been aware of their sin anymore. Instead, these sacrifices are a reminder of sin every year because it's impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Therefore, when he comes into the world, he says, You didn't want a sacrifice or an offering, but you prepared a body for me. You weren't pleased with entirely burned offerings or a sin offering. So then I said, Look, I've come to do your will. God, this has been written about me in the scroll. He says above, You didn't want and you weren't pleased with a sacrifice or an offering or with entirely burned offerings or a purification offering, which are offered because the law requires them. Then he said, Look, I've come to do your will. He puts an end to the first to establish the second. We have been made holy by God's will through the offering of Jesus Christ's body once for all. Every priest stands every day serving and offering the same sacrifices over and over, sacrifices that can never take away sins. But when this priest offered one sacrifice for sins for all time, he sat down at the right side of God. Since then, he's waiting until his enemies are made into a footstool for his feet because he perfected the people who are being made holy with one offering for all time. The Holy Spirit affirms this when saying, This is the covenant that I will make with them. After these days, says the Lord, I will place my laws in their hearts and write them on their minds, and I won't remember their sins and their lawless behavior anymore. When there is forgiveness for these things, there is no longer an offering for sin. Brothers and sisters, we have confidence that we can enter the Holy of Holies by means of Jesus' blood through a new and living way that he opened up for us through the curtain which is his body, and we have a great high priest over God's house. Therefore, let us draw near with a genuine heart and with the certainty that our faith gives us, since our hearts are sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies are washed with pure water. Let's hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering. Because the one who made the promises is reliable. Let's also think about how to motivate each other to show love and to do good works. Don't stop meeting together with other believers, which some people have gotten into the habit of doing. Instead, encourage each other, especially as you see the day drawing near. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. All right, this morning we're going to be uh, continuing our look at the Apostles' Creed and the foundational and essential beliefs that we profess when we recite uh, the words of the Creed with one another. This morning is one of the final two Sundays in this sermon series. As we've been going through this creed, it's 12 statements of faith, and so it's 12 weeks, and so this week is week 11. And I have to share with you that I've enjoyed this sermon series because I've enjoyed and I thought it has been fruitful and helpful for me, and I hope for you. To spend time preparing, well, to spend time thinking about the words that we say in the Apostles' Creed and how these words are essential words that testify to the truth that we believe as followers of Jesus Christ and as disciples of God. And so I hope that what you've been able to do is to really think about what's essential for you. As you think about what it means to be a Christian, 
And as we look together and as we use this image and as we've thought about this image of the field and the fence line being, you know, the parameters that the Apostles' Creed establishes, I hope we've all been able to think about what these 12 statements of faith mean to us and how they speak to us. And so I appreciate how the Apostles' Creed is helpful in helping us to define the boundaries of what we believe as Christians, not so that we agree on every minute detail, but more so that we know what the essentials are in order to prevent ourselves from getting too focused on things that really, quite honestly, are non-essential. And so over the past ten weeks, we've looked at the Creed, and we've seen how the Creed is organized by following the Trinity. This means that, that the arrangement of the creed reinforces our belief as Christians that God chooses to relate to us through the person of God the Father and of God the Son and of God the Holy Spirit. We've looked at how God chose to create and how God chose to work in this world through Jesus and how God chooses to continue to work in and through our lives by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit dwells in us. And so today we're speaking to a line that speaks to us and what we need, right? Which is the forgiveness of sins. It's like a boxing ring card, right? All right. Um, I think that every week and I didn't say it. Okay. Um, Because today's statement of of faith tells us this, right? It declares our need for forgiveness. It declares our dependence that we recognize that our forgiveness only comes from God. And this statement of faith that we're talking about today contains the good news of Jesus Christ that you and I share in, we profess, and we believe, which is what? It's the forgiveness of Jesus, isn't it? And so this line that we're thinking about this morning is a line that tells us specifically about God and about us. Because as we recite this word, we are saying, we are acknowledging, we are confessing that we ourselves need forgiveness for sins. And as Christians, we know that true forgiveness, permanent forgiveness, everlasting forgiveness, only comes to us by God through the sacrifice of His Son, Jesus. And so I think that this passage in the Apostles' Creed constantly reminds us because it's really easy for us to take for granted the gift of the forgiveness of God. And so each time we say this wor- these words, it reminds us of God's choice and God choosing to act in the person of Jesus Christ on this earth and to replace the Old Testament model of sacrifice and, and the way that, that God had originally... Um, planned for the people of Israel to offer and to receive forgiveness. And so it helps for us to look back. If you want to look at at the original plan for forgiveness in the Old Testament, go read the book of Exodus and Leviticus. Exodus tells us the story of Moses. It tells us of the call of God to to take the people of Israel and to deliver them from slavery in, in Egypt and to lead them to the promised land. In Exodus, we read of God's action while we also read about how God intended the people of Israel to live in response to His work and His action through their worship and through their sacrifice. If you read in Leviticus, we read how God instructs Moses to organize His people 
and their worship and their law. If you read Leviticus, it tells exactly, here's the tabernacle in the middle and the, holy of, uh, the, the tabernacle with the tents and then the Holy of Holies inside where the Spirit of God descended and rested with the people of Israel whenever they camped. But if you read the book of Leviticus, it's so specific that it tells what tribe of Israel is supposed to be camping on what portion around the tabernacle is it set up. So in these books, in these words, we read how God had a plan, how God instructed Moses and his people to organize and to to conduct right behavior in avoiding sin. And both of these books deal and tell us about God's requirements and God's expectations for those who are in relationship with him. Katie and I have been reading the the Bible through the year and... um, and we've read Exodus and Leviticus this last month. I'm going to tell you, at times it's interesting, at times it gets a little tedious, especially the book of Leviticus. But I have to admit that I had forgotten the many ways that God instructed through the Old Testament, through the book of Leviticus, for, for sacrifices to be offered to God as a way to repent or as a way to, to ask God for forgiveness for, forgive, for specific sins. And so what do you think of when you think of sacrifice in the Old Testament? I think most of us probably think of the blood and flesh of bulls and of goats and of sheep and of pigeons and of doves. And depending on what thing you are seeking forgiveness for, it might specify that you are not to offer a ram, but you are to offer a a female sheep or a female goat or a bull specifically, or specific portions of any of these animals. And also what I did not remember is that there were also instructions in the Old Testament for the people of Israel to bring other offerings, whether that be a measure of grain in a specified amount, a measure of grain mixed with olive oil to God, They were to bring bread. They were to bring other fruits of the field. And actually today we were reading, I read from uh, Numbers this morning, and it actually went into this great depth that in order, in in addition to the, the flesh of the animal and the grain and everything else, God also instructed a specific amount or portion of wine that was to be brought as part of the sacrifice as well. I also made the assumption and forgot that, that most sacrifice was burned. I think we're most familiar with that. But there are also a number of sacrifices that are specified in the book of Leviticus that are supposed to be wave offerings. And so those are offerings that aren't burnt. And so these are sacrifices that are, that are brought to the altar of God and not burnt. They're not laid on the altar, but then they're taken and the sacrifices are used to, to provide food for the priests and their families. But it's all laid out in Leviticus. Whether it's to be blood, whether it's to be organs, whether it's to be an entire animal, whether it's to be an offering that's, that's waved before God, presented to the altar, and then taken and used for other things. All of these things were instructed according to the sin that had been committed, according to the forgiveness that was required. And then there's one other sacrifice. And we've talked about it, the Day of Atonement, and when, when two goats are brought before the altar and one goat was sacrificed as a holy burnt offering to God, and the other goat, the, the high priest, would lay his hands on this animal, and, and when the priest prayed, he would transfer all of the unforgiven sins, all of the sins that had not been, been uh, received forgiveness yet or had not prior uh, received forgiveness, onto this animal, and then they would lead the animal out into the wilderness, 
So that when the animal went into the wilderness, all of the sin of Israel would leave Jerusalem and go with that animal. And then when that animal was killed by a wild animal in the wilderness, all of the sin of Israel would be killed with that animal as well. See, there's a problem with this. And that's what Hebrews writes in Hebrews 10, the author of Hebrews, about the the problem with the sacrificial system that was instructed by God. See, friends, you were never fully clean. Because it was meant to be temporary. It was a temporary solution for a lifelong problem. A temporary solution for a problem that presents itself in so many different ways to us. And we know that that problem was the problem of sin. It was a temporary fix. Whether you offered the blood of a bull or a grain or wine or dove or goats or whatever it was, none of the forgiveness that you would have received was permanent. So people were offering sacrifice and then they were needing forgiveness for other sins that they had committed or thoughts that they had had or or things that had happened since their last sacrifice. They needed something more. In addition to what they were required to do in presenting an animal, they also had to have someone do it. So they couldn't go to to their local um, synagogue and offer a sacrifice for forgiveness of sins. They had to come to Israel, to, or I'm sorry, they had to come to Jerusalem, to the temple. And at the temple is where they had to offer their sacrifice. They had to come to the priest. The priest was the only one that could approach the altar or else, you know, the, the book of Exodus says if someone who was unclean or not supposed to approach the altar, that they'd be struck dead. See, forgiveness in the Old Testament was short term. It was a temporary fix that required a final payment The Old Testament idea of sacrifice was like uh, putting a band-aid on a wound that you know and needs additional care or, you know, it's going to need stitches or something else. It's like paying for a vehicle and taking a loan out. The vehicle may be paid for in the eyes of the dealer, right? But who still owes on the vehicle? You do. You still own the, the debt, don't you? That's what forgiveness in the Old Testament was like. And that's what we read about in Hebrews chapter 10 and in our other scriptures this morning, that that it was God's plan to offer the blood and the sacrifice of Jesus so that you and I might be forgiven of our sins. Because the blood and sacrifice of Jesus takes the the temporary fixes that the sacrificial system made, and and he wipes them aside, he pushes them aside. Because it's the blood of Jesus Christ that makes us able to say with full confidence as we gather together or as we're praying in our homes or with others or anywhere that we believe in the forgiveness of sins. Because there is nothing that you can do. There's nothing that I can do. There is no works that's too great. There is no gathering that's too wonderful. There's no worship service that's too uplifting that you and I cannot compare to the forgiveness that God offers us through His Son Jesus Christ. Because it's the blood of Jesus that makes that final payment. And it's not a short-term fix. It's not a short-term you know, band-aid that we're putting on it. But it's a permanent fix where you are forgiven. And so in our scripture this morning in, in Hebrews 10, it's a long one. And I'd encourage you to, to spend a moment and read it this afternoon. Because in Hebrews 10, the author takes the time to differentiate between the sacrifice of Jesus and the sacrificial system of the Old Testament. The author tells us the difference between the Old Testament law 
and the salvation that you and I are able to receive in Jesus Christ. There's a couple of verses. The first is he says at the or the author says early in it says that that the, it's impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. And that's because of Jesus Christ, isn't it? In Hebrews 10 verse 12, the writer recognizes that the sacrifice of Jesus Christ offers us forgiveness, not that's temporary, but forgiveness that's eternal. And by his sacrifice, Jesus set aside the need for, for the mediator to stand between, before you and God at the altar of the temple. Because he calls Jesus the great high priest, who the scripture says is the author and perfecter of our faith. But that Jesus is the one who offers us the forgiveness that becomes the eternal sacrifice. And by his sacrifice, Jesus Christ became the priest eternal. And so Hebrews says, But when the priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sin, he sat down at the right hand of God. What this means is that we recognize that Jesus has made the ultimate sacrifice for our sins. And that he's the new high priest who's made the final sacrifice before God. And so for us to believe in forgiveness, we no longer have to offer a sacrifice. Not in the sense of, of blood and of bringing an animal and of doing all these things. But a sacrifice that God requires us to have a humble spirit. Who asks for forgiveness. Who repents or, or turns away from the sins that we commit. The forgiveness granted to us by Jesus means that, that not only are our sins forgiven. But that God has chosen to work through your heart to cleanse your spirit, and to transform your mind as God renews and restores each of our relationships with Him for us to truly receive God's forgiveness. The catch is, is that we have to extend forgiveness to others. And so if you read in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 18, there's a parable that's called the parable of the unforgiving servant or of the, the evil servant or the wicked servant, whichever um, Bible translation you, you read, they name them differently. But Matthew 18, verse 21 through 35, it's a parable of a servant who owned a king millions. And he was unable to pay his debt. And when it came time for the servant to pay, he, uh, the king had him arrested, thrown into a prison. He also arrested his wife and his children and had them thrown into debtor's prison as well. And, and this servant fell on his knees before God or before king and pled for mercy. And the scripture says the king had compassion and forgave the debt and released he and his family from prison and the servant was completely forgiven. But there was a catch. The servant immediately went and found a fellow servant who owed him, you know, a couple hundred dollars compared to the millions that have been forgiven. The first servant had the other thrown into prison and the other servants were offended and so they went to the king and told him what had happened. And so the king said, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you appealed to me. Shouldn't you also have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? All right, so the moral of the story or, or what Jesus is trying to say is that the king had forgiveness. And he gave forgiveness to the first servant and he was upset that he wouldn't offer that same forgiveness to the other servant, wasn't he? And Jesus tied that for, to forgiveness. 
is that you and I, as followers of Jesus Christ, who affirm each and every Sunday that we believe in Jesus Christ and God who offers us forgiveness of sin, we demonstrate the forgiveness that we have received by offering our forget, that, that same forgiveness to others. Jesus used the example of the wicked servant. And basically to say, look at this guy. He, he received so much, but he was willing to give nothing. And, and the king became upset. And we know that Jesus taught in parables, you know, modern day examples and stories for people to see and hear that would connect with them. And then he said, well, really the issue isn't the debt. But the example I'm trying to give you is that the debt that the man owed was the forgiveness that he received. And the need that he had to offer that same measure of forgiveness to others that owed him, that he owed forgiveness, or that owed him and needed his forgiveness. In Ephesians 4, 12, or 4, verse 32, Paul wrote, Forgive each other just as Christ forgave you. Because it's its very beginning, the Christian movement, one of the things that, that we were identified by was our forgiveness of others. Paul also wrote in Colossians 3.13, Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against each other. Because the Scripture is clear. The Scripture tells us that our capacity to receive and to accept the forgiveness from God is linked to our forgiving others. And so Hebrews ends it and tells us what we can do. Is that we can have confidence to enter the Holy of Holies because of the blood of Jesus, because He's opened a new way for us to approach God. We can draw near with a genuine heart since the certainty that our faith gives us, since our hearts are sprinkled clean from an, from an evil conscience and our bodies are washed with pure water. And then the writer says this, So hold on to the confession of your hope without wavering because the one who made the promises is reliable. So let's also think about how to motivate each other to show love and to do good works. Don't stop meeting with each other, which some people have gotten into the habit of doing. Instead, encourage each other, especially as you see the day drawing near, and receive the forgiveness of God and offer that same forgiveness that we have received to others. Amen.